1: That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. Over prohibited by law. 18 plus. terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton, the uh, host of the podcast described by. One Zach. What's Zach's surname, Josh? Do you remember?
2: That is a great question. Let me just double There's The
0: lovely check. Zach, who I met last week at the unveiling of the Arsenal artwork, new Arsenal artwork. Zach says we're the best Arsenal podcast out there, even though there are 257 other Arsenal podcasts available. This is the one. And who would know better than Zach? That's what I'm saying, even though I can't remember his surname. Anyway. Josh is here, fresh from his trip to um, the uh, Tottenham Stadium, or whatever the hell it's called. You emerge triumphant. We emerge triumphant. Looked like you're having a great time, according to your uh, Instagram. Wonderful. Yeah, I don't Wonderful do as much
2: right? Instagram content as you, but yesterday I had my daughter's second birthday party, yes. followed, by, followed by a trip to White Hart Lane. And it what was a day day of celebration um all round that's uh well it couldn't have gone any better could it really it was amazing yeah. and, and our guest has too often come on on the back of disappointing results or defeats over the yeah. first years yeah. and right to that. the point that he should come on after a tremendously exciting victory so here he is i said he should come on before a most exciting victory as well
0: um alan alga is here hi alan how are we doing, guys? Tremendously well. How are you?
1: Absolutely top of the world.
0: Top of the world. Fresh from you are fresh from a entertaining mini Twitter spat about Arsenal's odds to win the league, in which uh, you had a very entertaining um, uh, discussion. With Phil, I am among others. Phil, I am is as a is a, uh, a great Arsenal tweeter that I follow and talk to every now and then. And it, but the discussion, the the bottom line was ask the favourites to win the league for the first time. I believe odds on favourites to win the league. Odds
1: on favourites to win time. the league. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, this is tantamount to Phil starting to question you on TV programs. How they? <laughs> yeah. To be really fair, fair. Yeah. If it's anyone insane. knows about betting,
0: yeah, it is Alan. Yeah.
1: I mean the, the weirdest thing is that it is fine for people to say oh that looks a bit too short but it's a factual thing it's, it, it's like arguing over what number bus is coming down the street you know if, it, if that should be a different number it, that is the number that is the number that it's churned yeah. out it's churned yeah. out that we have a better than 50% chance of winning the league um, if you disagree with that and some might and I, and I think it is a little bit too short but you know, factually, bookmakers very rarely get these things wrong and the, the, the algorithms and calculations that go into that uh, ensure that, that they should get future predictions, if not right, mathematically over time, uh, should, should make profit. So um, it's a big compliment with only 18 games played, but I think we deserve that compliment, especially off the back of yesterday's game.
2: Something I did like during your tweets that I was just reading before was highlighting, am I right, this would be a third biggest price. So effectively the third biggest shock Premier League title win in Premier League history should Arsenal go on to do it behind obviously Leicester. But I saw you wrote also Blackburn, were they a bigger price than we were?
1: Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, Josh, someone corrected me on that and said that um, Blackburn actually went off nearly 33 to 1. So actually, we'd be the second biggest shock in Premier League history. Or certainly the joint second biggest, because some of their prices were around 50 to 1. Which, I mean, Leicester is a huge outlier, obviously. And
2: uh,
1: I've explained that many times, how how the odds were (laughs) slightly wrong on that occasion. But um, yes, we would be the second... Certainly, the second joint second biggest price uh, in terms of surprise, and I mean in pre-season, apart from the fans that always have their optimistic tenor, I don't think anyone serious was having that kind of bet. Maybe I mean I think some people thought we'd been underestimated for top four, considering how narrowly narrowly we missed it last year, and how much could change. Yeah, yeah. I, think I was that thinking was about that. Bet. Yeah. Um, I mean that those bets are a bit a. a close to being paid out with half the season remaining. We're, we're something like one to a hundred to get top four now, which, uh, you know, there's almost an absolute guarantee uh, that there'll be Champions League football at the Emirates next year.
0: Well, that's good. That's good for a start. I mean, there were some of us who doubted even that would happen. So uh, I include myself in that. <laughs> I think I predicted fifth um, at the start of the season. Um, well, let's start with, I mean, let, let's talk about this glorious day for football and Arsenal. Um, what was your favourite thing about the, uh, the triumph, Alan?
1: I think the, f- the favourite thing is that <clears throat> if Thomas Partey's shot had gone in, i mm. just think, you know, that's it forever. I, I mean, there just would not have been a better North London derby moment, including <laughs> the invincibles of, you know, avoiding defeat and winning the league there. I mean, that, that was unreal. That shot was absolutely unreal. If that had just been a couple of inches to the left, well, uh, it would have been one of the best goals of all time, let alone in the North London derby. But look, everything about the whole game was just brilliant. And um, you know, I wrote a a little piece for the Gooner overnight. I think one of the the big, big things was that everyone was speculating in the lead-up to the game, all Gooners were speculating that Harry Kane would somehow get a very soft penalty, the ref would overly favour the uh, the home team and that we'd really have to be granted a hell of a lot of luck as well as play well. And, um, I mean, some of that's probably borne out from last season where we started extremely well in what everyone dubbed the Champions League playoff. The first five minutes we were at them on the front foot and a couple of bad to middling decisions, especially the penalty, sort of knocked us off our stride. But it was such a level of maturity from the players yesterday. And I think Craig Paulson refereed it entirely fairly. And what I mean by that is he didn't overly favour either side. He let it flow when it should have flow. He he um, was sparse with the yellow cards early on, which helped the game in the end for both sides. You know, Tottenham could have easily had a player sent off if he'd been uh, a bit sort of, uh, a bit more aggressive with his yellow cards earlier on. Um, so I think you got it absolutely spot on. And then you obviously make your own luck after that. If, if, it's, if the game's refereed fairly and there are no bad decisions, you make your own luck after that. And we did. when we performed well and we deserved to win.
0: Yeah, Josh, you were there as well. Um, uh, watching on TV from my living room, it was kind of, it took about five minutes, I think, for us to just completely take over the game it felt like and then from like the first half was just i mean jane rednapp on sky said it was the best half of football he'd seen from anyone this season um it just did feel like completely controlled it to an extraordinary extent did it, did it feel that way was it more tense for you
2: in the stand there no i i felt um oddly confident as the game grew nearer, and that wasn't as a result of Huge drinking from you have to say the impressive uh, kiosk servings that they have at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium with their immediately fillable from the bottom pint. So credit to Spurs, but isn't um, there
0: only um, one bar for the whole of the away fans? That's what Tim Stillman said that on, on Twitter.
2: Oh, um He was furious about that. I, Maybe not. I, you, he might be right, but I've got to say, I got served very quickly being in there oh, at like forward to four. So I, I didn't really notice that there was an issue because I got served very, very quickly. I just felt a sense of, of confidence. And then it felt like we were all saying to each other, it's been a good first five minutes, been a very good first 10 minutes. Wow, this is going. And just suddenly, it was just like at no point did you did you really... Uh, you know, quite have the stress. I mean, of course, Tottenham came back into its second half, but until uh, I felt until they score, you're not going to be too worried. And then, of course, it it never came, and therefore, it was a hugely enjoyable North London derby. I I think it was the most enjoyable trip I've had to Spurs since 2004. And you know, obviously, that won't be beaten because you won a Premier League medal there but of all the trips we've had over the years and of course it was well documented that we haven't won there since 2014 in the league so we you know let's just enjoy a league where never mind it's a six points against Spurs in the season which Ray unusual um, not forgetting they've had six years now finishing above us to go there and play them off the park for 45 minutes to a point where every single Spurs friend, supporter, the fan that I know is sending you messages along the lines of, wow, like you totally deserve that. We were so well beaten. We were taught football in less than the first 45 minutes. Y- you cannot ask for any more. You-, you just can't. And the players deserve incredible uh, credit. They were so brave. I thought a number of times where we, yeah. got, like, we were in difficult positions on the pitch and they refused to just kick it long. They, they didn't always just, you know, just lump it forward and hope. It was find, a, find one of your teammates, be brave, move for each other and just and get up the pitch. And to a man, they all put in good performances. Not a single one, you know, was in any way below a seven in my mind. And, and that is, you know, it was oh, amazing. Oh. They're all A. I think they're all A, at least eight, if
0: not if not nine or ten. Alan, I I I think Josh is right about the bravery, but the the, the player. I mean, man of the match, which we'll get to, was the goalkeeper. Fair enough. He did he did a couple of saves that were brilliant, particularly in the second half. Um, Odegaard had an amazing game, scored a great goal, but for me, at the, the the play of the match and the one who symbolised how brave. And how different we are as a, as an attacking force from last season is Zinchenko. I just think he is such an incredible player. I couldn't, you, no one can work out where he's supposed to, where he's playing. Like first of all, I mean, certainly the opposition team, he pops up everywhere. His boldness in his in his passing is is unbelievable. And every now, like there are a couple of times where. He got the he gave the ball away, or at least he got tackled, you know, by a Spurs player, I would say twice. But apart from that, every well, like he was he's involved in every single pretty much amazing move that we had. I just think he's an incredible player. Yeah,
1: it's, it's it's so odd to be playing playing a fullback that, as you said, had the majority of his touches, or certainly near majority of his touches, in the center circle because he's he's that sort of wall pass in the middle and then actually starting attacks but he's also breaking up with Partey and Jack yeah. So you've actually got almost some athlete that's becoming a third option as a central defensive midfielder, but then also covering where he needs to cover. Uh, and, and bear in mind Tottenham played three up front yesterday, and I'm not talking any old three, you know, Son, Song, yeah. Krzyzewski. So to, to have the confidence to do that, and as, as Josh says, bravery to make those passes in the middle. And as you say, a couple of them didn't come off. I think that happened for Partey as well, but you've got to take those. Um, mm-hmm. And actually I, I, I ended up being educated on this. I think this season, because I was, I was moaning that, that Partey's mistakes tend to happen just outside the area. And we had a lot of that with Jacko in his early days where I had no other option around him. And, um, you know, someone said to me, look, Take two of those or three of those again. And yeah, I don't doubt one of them's going to be a goal every now and again. But the 50 other times that works, it gets you uh, such a, um, a, a man over advantage because you've moved the ball so quick in that area. And Sinchenko's actually gone in and done exactly the same thing. So, I mean, it, it, I noticed that at Brighton, to have three players that are actually breaking those lines winning the ball and then making those passes. It's just it's overloading midfields. And and Paul Merson alluded to it when he came up with prediction that Tottenham wouldn't really get a kick, which sort of came off. I know as Josh yeah. said, they did come into it for sort of 15 minutes, uh, between sort of 50, 50 and 65, they were quite threatening. Um, but no team's going to dominate for 90 minutes, especially in a derby. And Zinchenko was a huge part of that.
0: He is just unbelievable, isn't he, Josh? I, I don't he's one of, I don't pay, I admit, right? I, I don't pay that that much attention to players, at other teams, right? I just I, I my focus is on Arsenal to the extent that I mean I what funny, I watch most Premier League games, I would say, but I don't I kind of like watch watch ones that Arsenal aren't involved with almost more passively, and I like, kind of let them you know. I had no fucking idea whatsoever that. Zinchenko was this kind of footballer. When when we bought him, I remember thinking, oh yeah, he's that Ukrainian left back at City who doesn't play every game, you know, who like I mean, no no one says he plays every game, hardly any of them. But like, I was like, I mean, you know, fine. I I was like not particularly excited about it. I was mainly interested in it because he's Ukrainian and you know, I felt you know, it was very moving when he came back when, you know, he, he played for City and came on the pitch, I remember, last season, you know, when the Ukraine war started, all of that. But he is the biggest revelation for me. I don't want to go over the top of a footballer. I can think of him. He's a left back. He plays everywhere. I know he started that. I, I went down on Zizhenko, um kind of fact-finding mission last night. I was so impressed with him. I was reading interviews and features about him. There's a great uh, Telegraph article about him yesterday or the day before. I, obsessed with him he started out as a creative midfielder. That's what, that was how it went before when City bought him, he was a creative midfielder and kind of Arteta was really involved in at City. We're turning him into this weird, you know, false left back, whatever you want to call him. Anyway, am I, am I too obsessed or did you spot, did you, what was it like watching him live in that game?
2: No, he is special. And you wonder, right. the obvious statement to make, that certain quarters of the media are wondering: Do Man City regret selling Arsenal, Zinchenko, and Gabriel Jesus? Did they really think they were selling to a Premier League title rival, or did they think we we might be selling to a team that creep into the top four? But Man City do this; they do just freshen up their squad. And we—I yeah. was doing some work this morning, actually, uh, virtually with. Uh, Sanya. And he was talking about how even when he was a, you know, Man City fullback, just nobody played every game. You have to accept if you're going there, you're you you you're in and out. And you might think you're definitely going to play the next game. You've been in a great run of form and you don't, you get pulled out and the other fullback plays and that's Pep. You know, he, he just does it. But now he's in a situation where if he's fit, he's playing. And it's, it's hard on Kieran Tierney, who hasn't done a huge amount wrong, but There's no real debate about who should be playing in the Arsenal team at the moment. And of course, we know that he plays, you know, further up the pitch for Ukraine. And he's held in such high regard on a sort of international stage with them. And having someone who is so confident and whose distribution and tenacity, it gives you something else. And he's so disciplined. You just watch him when he's sort of not, you know, being their light. And you see how disciplined he is with where he goes into the pitch, judging by where the ball is, you know, at that time, he's just dropping into that centre midfield area and making sure he's another option when he should be. And, you know, they're so well drilled at the moment. It's, um, it is unbelievable. And, you know, another thing we were talking, coming away from the stadium yesterday, although try to be a bit discreet, you know, and just get to the car and not be too obvious that we were Arsenal fans. Because... God, I'm glad we only have to go there once every year. Getting in and out of that stadium is so crap. And there were a lot of people oh. that couldn't get into the away end like yesterday because it was they just stopped letting people move in, in either direction. And, you know, a number of people um, we were sat with um, only got in about 15 minutes in. But we were talking about who's our player of the season at the moment. And honestly, we had about eight different, mm. you know, suggestions thrown in at the moment. And, it's, and that is ludicrous. But that is also a sign of why we're top, you know, Zinchenko yeah. might be in there but you can oh, make yeah. a case for I think half a dozen others it's it is just you know brilliant but then maybe we can make a case for so many because we know exactly which 11 are playing every single week yeah way basically no other team in the whole Premier League does yeah is I'm, that going on I'll, yeah
1: oh I was I was actually going through that today and um you know you talk about player ratings from the game yesterday I, I agree I'm eight and above everybody and uh sort of happy to see that but it, even if you're sort of starting to rank players in terms of the season that they have even the bit part players as well you're starting to think you would struggle to name a player of the season you want to be in that position you don't want it to be obvious you don't want it to be a handful but this is so far the other way you could, you could, if someone said to you now, right, here's player A, I want you to go away and give me a little paragraph in 10 minutes on why they should be player of the season, you wouldn't really struggle with many of the players that we've got in our team, which is, which is completely, you know, mad. Um, I don't know if just going back to the Zinchenko Jesus, uh, signings, I, I, I had that question thrown at me a lot by people that sort of just watch the game in passing rather than being too interested in the game. It's like, how did you end up with those? How did you end up with those? I don't know if Pep is rewriting this a little bit because he said recently that he did try and keep them, but he he, he said that he owed them um, uh, the fact that they could move to a big club where they would be a regular starter. I mean, Zinchenko, including sub appearances, only played 15 out of 38 in 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 the league for for... City last season, um, including one little injury spell. So, you know, he didn't even play half of their games, including mm. off the bench. So, I mean, I I think that to be guaranteed uh, being part of, I mean, ours is a small squad. Let's not, let's not get this yeah. wrong. I know we're trying to bolster it. But to be part of a, a small-ish squad at a big club with a coach, as you say, that he knows and has nurtured him in the past, I think it was something that Pep did more out of, uh, uh, sort of kindness and honour rather than actually wanting to get rid of them.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. The, the last one on Jenka, did you see that he, he, um, he had like murals, Arsenal murals of the Emirates, et cetera, and pictures of him and Arsenal players in his gym at home when he was injured to, to, uh, that, and he got this artist to um, create them. So he's got his own like new yeah. Arsenal Arsenal based artwork. Um, I love him. He's, he, his whole and re, you know, reading about him, his whole attitude, his his enthusiasm. He, he, he went to the game recently when he was injured and got booked for kind of celebrating with the players. He wasn't even on the bench. He was just totally <laughs> injured. He was still there. He's just he's just phenomenal. But you're right. The the um, who the player of the, the the season thing is is a funny question as well because a couple of weeks ago, Alan, you. Said on Twitter after a game, maybe it was our last game. Even was it? You said a couple of players were disappointing, and you, you alluded to, you know, a couple of fan favorites. Who are you talking about?
1: <clears throat> well, I mean, you're going to think this sounds mad now, but I, I <laughs> yeah, I worked with a Norwegian guy who says to me, when the going gets tough, Odegaard rarely performs. Ah, when, when he said that to me, I started to think back, and then thought to myself. Where has he had a good game where we played against a big team? And I think I was overly thinking the pressure games at the end of last season where he probably concedes that he didn't really perform in those. And then in the Newcastle game, it was one of his worst games of the season. So I was thinking that that was was one of the players. Um, I said a couple. I only really meant him. (laughs) Okay. If he'd have played badly yesterday, I'd have probably come for him in, in one way or another on Twitter. But obviously, yeah. he answered that. But I, I do think, you know, pre kickoff and pre knowing what we know now, without any hindsight, he did owe us a performance in a pressure game. And um, he certainly delivered yesterday.
0: Yeah, he really did. He absolutely did. Yeah. What, what was your, Josh? Um, Alan mentioned the um, party shot. Was um, it was unbelievable, wasn't it? I was so gutted that he didn't go. It would have been one of the great goals of all time, wouldn't it? If it
2: got in, Absolutely. what was your view of it? No, we were Gosh. debating would that have been the best goal we've ever seen live? Yeah, that was the level we were, yeah, you know, we were looking at, and I mean, wow, it was up there. At first, I couldn't quite tell if, um, Lloris had got something onto it and moved on to post. But then, obviously, I haven't seen it back on TV, it's just the sweetest strike, and some of the Facial expressions from the Tottenham fans behind the goal that you
0: see—yeah,
2: yeah—it's a shock as they look at this ball, Like, What has he just done, this guy? Um, it's just just outrageous. Um, you know, especially when up, you think up. when you
0: think you know, like he, not so long ago, he was a joke for his shooting. It was an absolute joke well, wasn't it?
2: because it was so wild. It was the North London derby at home, really, where you thought, "Wow, I mean, this is a hell of a strike at home." Swept it in from outside the area. Um, you know, crept inside the post, but this is going to breed some confidence. I remember Flamini. Do you remember the goal Flamini scored yeah. at White Hart Lane? Yeah, uh, that it was kind of like the, by, by distance. I think the best of his career. It, it was a little bit of resemblance uh, yesterday. That, but... that
1: was a League Cup
2: game. He scored two,
1: didn't he? In that game, he, if I recall. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. yeah, I, think, yeah. I think that's. Uh, I think that's He's right. Great to What can you say? There's something really lovely in the symmetry that the last time we won there as a as a club, Arteta was you know in there in the heart of centre midfield, and nine years later he's he's taken us to a a win. And the emotions of going there last season in May and seeing us you know almost then final nail in our top four coffin, and how you know depressing that night was, and every. Stereotype and cliche you could imagine about how a terrible night at White Hart Lane could go come to reality. So fast forward to to yesterday, it, it was everything you could. Have, it, it was it was everything you could have, you know. Possibly dreamt of the away fans. Unsurprisingly, were in just fantastic voice in the concourse before the game. It it was as loud as I can remember a, con- a concourse. Um, maybe because of all those. Uh, uh, people that had to be in the concourse congregated to get a drink. That Tim Stillman was complaining about not <laughs> yeah. not being spread out enough. I don't know, but it it was just wonderful. Did you see the the video that's come round of of the Arsenal fan who was in just sort of the seat next to the Arsenal fans, but in the Tottenham section and revealed his his Arsenal badge? Have you seen this? No, I haven't seen that. I oh,
1: thought. Have you seen it, Alan? I've seen it. I still think it's pretty bold. The guy behind him can sort of see him. I, I Thought it was a very bold thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I could have been there in the in the home end yesterday, and I uh, for the last few l- North London derbies, I have declined that option because I don't think I would be able to sit still and enjoy it. So, uh, no, fair play to.
2: Yeah, I'm just sending it through to you, boys, to so be able I'll to
0: have a look. I'll check it. I'll check it. There's have a lot of interesting the videos. There, there are a lot of interesting videos after the game. We'll talk about the. Uh, we'll talk about the. Richarlison uh, moment as well and the and the and the fan or oh, kicking. Oh, I just want to mention the goalkeepers though, because obviously Alan Lloris's was just shockingly terrible letting that goal in. And I think he is an absolute bell-end, by the way. Like I, I get like remember in the World Cup, he was like not he, he refused to um support the the kind of rainbow campaign, you know, the anti bigotry of of the, of the of the world cup he was he, he there's some quote from him i remember at the time thinking oh he sounds like a complete twat i don't like him and and for me his terrible form is karma um and we'll go to a Charleston in a minute but in contrast ramsdale is just ramsdale is proving to be another absolute inspired signing isn't he like while all of these senior goalkeepers for all of a lot of big clubs i mean Kepper at Chelsea is having an absolute nightmare and he just, Ramsdale, he has the odd moment where he seems he's being a bit rash, you know, maybe with his passing out from goal, but, but his shot stopping and just, he doesn't make, this is obviously touch wood, he doesn't make the kind of horrendous fuck up mistakes that experienced players like Lloris are making. No, not at all. I mean,
1: look, over the course of a season, especially a Premier League season where you're first-choice keeper and you're going to play 30-odd games, you will definitely let in goals where uh, on, on replay and reflection, you might say, oh, he could have done a bit better there. I can only think of maybe one or two this season. I think they were both near post-incidents because he, he likes to leave a little bit of a gap. But, um, you know, nowhere in the realms of the mistake that the Lloris made yesterday. And, um, yeah, I mean, off pitch. He doesn't seem the nicest. And also, the other thing is that he used to be, and as Tottenham captain, a fan favourite uh, of Tottenham fans. And even before yesterday, um, that popularity was waning. And and hmm. you'll see some of the videos from their fans, albeit the shouty ones that we don't like at our club as well, like AFTV kind of kind of people. But certainly some of the, the shouty of Tottenham fans yesterday, uh, blaming him as you would for that first goal, but also saying that is one more on top of all the mistakes he's made in huge games. And look, we benefited from that, but I'm, I'm praising Saka for actually having yeah. the foresight to, to get in that position and take a chance. It takes a bit of a deflection, but
0: um, oh, completely. He's yeah.
1: wide; the post is wide open. His body's wide open. So he's not actually set in a position where you're going to either parry it or be able to catch it. So, uh, we've taken full advantage there and um, his footwork is terrible. So uh, <laughs> people were talking about swapping the keepers in terms of mistakes, but Ramsdale's footwork is, is something like a hundred times better than Larice. And in the modern game, Larice is probably going to suffer from, um, you know, what, what Pep Guardiola said about Joe Hart. Joe Hart was a keeper at the top of his game. As soon as Pep Guardiola said he's terrible with it at his feet, you know, it was game over for Joe Hart's career. <laughs> And Lloris has managed to sort of sneak between that and even get to, you know, major finals, including the world cup final with that being a really poor part of his game. So um, I would say now that he's actually retired from international football, uh, it probably won't be long before they replace him there. But I mean, this season, I think it's Fraser Forster is their number two. I don't think they have a young option there. So, I mean, that's another reason to be cheerful because their squad management has been terrible over there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, We'll take a break. And after the break, we'll talk about any other business we wanted to say about the glorious uh, victory over Spurs and transfer stories. Um, We should talk about Mudrick. The Mudrick, can we call it Farago? Uh, And lots more. Uh, But we'll take a break first. And we're back from the break. Um, yes, Josh. Josh is going. Well, you you
2: mentioned it there just before the break, didn't you? About the the slightly strange incident at the end of the game. It wasn't quite Eric Cantona at Selhurst Park back in the uh, in, in '95, but uh, it was a strange old one. I, I couldn't have been really in a, a worse angle, right at the other end of a stadium. But it, it was it was clear something had gone on from from the crowd, and. Um, Yeah, I mean that—that's just you know uh, a a really shocking thing to see. I mean, I I think you're sort of used to seeing fans, you know, go over. But then the steward didn't seem to apprehend the guy. The steward sort of just like pushed him back into the crowd. It was was really, uh, you know, well, I don't, maybe a bit
0: lucky. Oh, absolutely. I don't know about you, Alan, but I think I, I think Richarlison has to take a lot of uh, blame for that incident. And he seems to have got away with, like, no one seems to be, I haven't checked up in the last couple of hours, but for me, he should, he, he basically pushed Ra- uh, Ramsdale in the head and kind yeah. of, like, was, was trying to fight him, basically. And that's where the steward was kind of, like, getting between them. Um, and that led, I think, directly to the idiotic Spurs fan jumping over and, and, trying to, and trying to attack Ramsdale. I, I'm amazed that more isn't being said about Rich was role, who is another absolute fucking belter of a human being, who has, again, I don't know if you've seen, a tattoo of himself on his own back. I mean, albeit with other <laughs> Brazilian players, but what an absolute twat he is. Yeah, didn't shake Gabby's hand on the corner. I mean,
1: um, maybe he shouldn't during, a, during play in the North London derby, but no, uh, what he did at the end, I mean, yeah, as you say, if he did that during the course of play that would go to VAR and for hitting someone in the face on the opposing team you're going to be sent off um and as you say he he goaded the crowd along yeah. with the fact that he was walking towards the crowd with Ramsdale Ramsdale did ever have a, have a genuine reason for going back to the back to the goal even the steward was saying you can't go back there and he's saying well i've got you know I've got my stuff on the floor. Yeah, yeah. You see the steward eventually agree with him that he can go back there. But the worst steward of all, as Josh says, is that he's the guy that's standing next to and allows someone to not only climb on the first bit, but the second bit to aim the kick. Yes. And then, as Josh says, he laughs and then pushes the guy back into the crowd. I mean, what kind of briefing are those stewards getting? I don't care. Even if the, the steward is a Tottenham fan, I mean, most stewards are neutral and just sort of come from... The local area to, to to earn their money. So even if he support, even if he was an ardent Tottenham fan, he knows that that's not right. Um, so I mean, hopefully justice is meted out. But uh, obviously, the joke is now that it's a bigger punishment to go and watch them every.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or watch, watch them in the first half.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> absolutely. He should, should only be allowed to watch first halves.
2: I quite um, I liked Ramsdale chatting afterwards because he sort of conceded that he yeah. had been bantering with with the supporters and he said a number of them sort of took it in the spirit it was intended. And I think he's a fairly uh, regular contributor to uh, a way away fan or sort of the home fans uh bantering certainly i remember watching the videos back i think after the leeds game he certainly took a load same at brighton so he obviously doesn't mind getting involved uh but yeah it's just got to be done in the in the right spirit but i mean he's i think what yeah he gave it back yeah yeah He's, he's he gave it back um yeah but yeah it just went over but you're right about richarlison um, but there was even that weird moment with Charlison pushing poor old Tommy Asu on the on the touchline just for you know yeah. trying to uh, get over over involved in the game before he was even on on the pitch. One thing that was mentioned actually by um my colleague who was sat uh you know for, for work purposes very near the, the, the benches yesterday was that Richarlison was relentlessly like wanting to get on and looking at content like when, when am I going on here and and, and yeah. I, maybe it was all sort of boiling over a little bit before he was even um, on the pitch and I guess the frustration of not playing and then having to sit and watch your team you know get beat like he did so yeah do you know the, the only, only got two players that have played every minute this season for us in the league I looked it up you know, Ramsdale's one do you know who the other is
0: um, Gabriel Saka so- it is Gabriel
2: Gabriel. Gabriel. Yeah, Gabriel every, every yeah. minute um so far this season
0: yeah yeah i have to say i mean i'm glad you brought gabriel i mean can't we i mean we could go through every player but um i'll go through nearly every player but i I myself have felt Gabrielle was a bit hot-headed 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 and um Prone to the odd mistake. I mean, he had, does. A, he likes. I mean, traditionally, you know, he's been with us for years and, and concedes quite a few penalties. I, don't, I haven't seen the stats, but in my mind, I always worry if he tackles anyone or goes near to tackle anyone in the area. But this season, he has been phenomenal, hasn't he, Alan? I mean, that that setting up of that back four with Saliba and Ben White, who also was phenomenal, against, uh against Spurs. That that back the three of them, Gabriel, Saliba, and White, with Zinchenko basically going anywhere, is just uh, it's just working so well.
1: It's working incredibly well, and and I mean
0: it's it's a little bit understating what White
1: actually did because in the first fifteen minutes, I think he overlapped with Saka and, and managed to put three crosses uh, yeah. of varying quality into the box. So even he is managing to get into other positions, and I know obviously we like to do that with uh, with our fullbacks and. But it goes back to what Arteta said about everyone knowing where everyone else is going to be at any one time. And I know he yeah. used he, I think he used some ridiculous story about, if I come to make a cup of tea in your kitchen and you come to make a cup of tea in my kitchen, you'll make it quicker in your kitchen because you know where everything is. And, and actually, it's a really good story to tell the players because... It's one way of actually illustrating and then they can visualise it, whether you're a visual learner or or actually just learn through stories. That, that That is fundamentally his principle. You should know where everyone else is on the pitch. And a big part of that is, as you say, Gabriel and Saliba knowing exactly where they should be at any one time. It, the interesting dynamic between those two is that if you ever see close-ups, it always seems that Saliba is the one talking Gabrielle through the game. And I wonder if that is to do with the hot-headedness that, you, that mm. you mentioned there, boy, because you haven't really seen that from Saliba yet. He doesn't seem to have that. And um, whether or not they're both helping each other through the game. But it's an incredible partnership.
0: It really is. And the other player I wanted to mention, I mean, uh, actually, a couple of players who we've you've had doubts about. Eddie Nketiah. Yeah. yeah. What's your feeling about how, I mean... He, his, he ran around like a maniac. I mean, I don't. he was absolutely knackered, wasn't he? I would say for the last 10, 15 minutes, he was comp- he could barely walk at one point, I thought. Um, and, and it took a while to be subbed off. But he is doing really well, isn't he? But there were a couple of chances he had, one really good chance to score, where he didn't quite control it yeah. first time. What's your feeling about Eddie, having been a slightly, I would say, a doubter historically?
1: Well, I... I absolutely loathe to do this because I really hate those people that, that uh, tweet non-league teams whenever they uh, let them down on an acker and they couldn't even tell you where the ground was. But for betting purposes yesterday, Eddie's one that he hit straight into Larice, where he was put through by Xhaka um, would have earned me a significant four-figure sum. So oh. I was quite disappointed that he missed
0: Four figures, wow.
1: Yes, yeah, it was would have been extremely nice. Um, what was the bet then, just that he would... It was Xhaka to have an assist. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and he obviously played dead again. But look, betting aside, and you really do have to do that, I only tell the story just to uh, show, show, that, show Josh that I don't win all the time and I don't send him winning slips all the time. Yeah. Um, I've got a really weird thing with Eddie and I'm glad you mentioned him and I actually thought that you were going to mention him when you led into the Zinchenko man of the match Mm -hmm. thing because I would say say that some of the things you said about Zinchenko actually apply to Eddie. The work rate, the fact that he was all over the place, he was making tackles down by the corner flag, our defensive corner flag uh, a couple of times and winning the ball down there. Um, A few people have said to me, look, uh, well, this has proved you completely wrong because you said on the Arsenal podcast uh, I think one of my appearances this season, early on in the season when we knew he was our second striker, that he, was, um, that he was a League One type type player, that he was of League One quality. And the ridiculous thing is is that he's proved, he's neither proved that wrong or right, but actually the two games where he hasn't scored, Newcastle and Tottenham, has proved that he is an absolute asset in a Premier League team because they're his best two games perversely, yeah. because they're the two games in which I thought he played the best but didn't actually score. And then the four other games around that, he obviously scored, but I don't think he had such a good game. And then his finishing yesterday brings another dynamic to it. So I don't think that that's that solved. And I don't, know, I don't know why anyone wants to prove points against fellow Arsenal fans this season considering we're eight points clear at the top. But uh, <laughs> I thought Eddie was, was phenomenal yesterday and the, 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 the work rate and some of the technique, you know, sometimes he has the ball blasted into him with two or three defenders all over him. He's winning fouls. He's managing to draw three kicks. He's managing to sometimes control the ball, play that wall pass with the midfield and then make a run. Um, and it's just that finishing. And that was my only doubt. And um, I, I think it will remain a doubt. But the, the contribution to the team in the absence of Jesus has been incredible.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with the bulk of that. There's no doubt that he has exceeded the expectation of the vast majority of the fan base. He's clearly bulked up. He has had a bigger influence than we could have imagined. Yet there's a but, and the but is exactly what Alan said. And I noticed it watching from the angle of, I was right behind that ball that Xhaka played into Eddie, and you saw the heavy touch. And you saw him obviously. By the time he really had an opportunity to, to take his shot, w- was very limited options. And and Lloris did well to come out and and block it. And and Jaka does throw his hands slightly in the air. If you watch it back, yeah, yeah, I saw that. You, yeah. you, you notice it. I was yeah. looking out for it on when I was watching. Came home eventually and watched it on Match for Day. He, he does
1: <laughs> not as bad as my reaction, Geoff. <laughs>
2: No, I can well imagine. I can well imagine. But you've been you've been doing supremely well uh, uh, on that from uh, everything I've ascertained so far this season. So, look, does a, a, a top-class striker at the level above him get a couple of goals yesterday? Yes, I, I think they do. I think if he takes that first touch, he can do so much. He can put it where he wants. You um, obviously had the one in the first half where Odegaard had you know chipped it back into the area and you know it's a a good opportunity um but right now like alan said let's let's not find problems uh because overall we should be delighted what he's done and we're probably going to have to uh go go with him for longer than was first anticipated because jesus is Probably not back for you know this February the fourth date of Everton away that was sort of put in there um, early on you know, the inevitability seems it's going to be it's going to be longer but hey we're, we're finding goals from Odegaard and Saka um, you know you know and Martinelli and and Partey and Granit Xhaka you know the the defense we've we've found ways to to score goals. Um, and most importantly, we're not we're not conceding very many. We, you know, we've only conceded 14, which is incredibly impressive. Even if you somehow can't quite believe, you're looking at a league table which says Newcastle have only conceded 11.
0: Yeah, that's ridiculous. The the, the final play I wanted to mention, uh, in, in is partly in the. Um, what, from referring to previous things you said before, is Saka, who is he, even played, didn't he? Because in the Oxford um, Cup game, and I was thinking when that team was in, I was thinking, oh my god, you know, Alan's piece that you wrote a while ago about how overplayed he is, but he's still doing it, isn't he? Week in, week out, Saka is still looks fresh as a daisy. There's no dip, as far as I can tell, in you know, in his motor. Um, he's just hes just somehow dealing with the fact, and he obviously played in the World Cup, quite, quite a few games in the World Cup. He's just an extraordinary, um, brilliant performer, isn't he still, Alan? I just don't,
1: I just don't know how he does it. I, I, that, I mean, bear in mind, that article was written more as a protection piece for him having to go at Arteta rather than saying, I want him out on the team. I, I don't. I mean, if, if he can play every week, please, please let him play every single minute of every game. But yeah, the bizarre thing is, this isn't like, um, and you mentioned Gabrielle's played every minute this season. Um, this isn't like a, a centre back doing that, where you're sort of mostly in control of the physical uh, battles that you're going to have on on the pitch. This is a winger that gets battered every single ten minutes period of each game. He will he will draw at least one foul every ten minute period he's on the pitch. And as you saw with a couple of them yesterday, they're nasty ones. They're sort of high kicks. They're there are often late, late challenges that, where someone's left the boot in. And he gets up, dusts himself down and gets on with it. And his intelligence and maturity yesterday was beyond anything I've ever seen from a player of his age in such a game like that. And although uh, although you'd be saying, I mean, I, he deserved to be on the score sheet for what he actually created in terms of the own goal with the wrist, but uh, he, his game was so much more than that yesterday.
0: Yeah, it was. He was fantastic. Yeah, um, a couple. Of, we should talk about a couple of the things that have happened off the pitch. Um, uh, as, as thrilled as we are by everything that's happening, but the uh, Michaela modric situation. Um, I was. I am. I, I, I do admit that I am one of those fans who um, gets overly, shall we say, emotional when at my team, when Arsenal. Kind of have been tra- clearly been wanting to buy someone, and this transfer saga goes on for weeks and weeks and weeks, and then suddenly you fail to pull it off in the end, even though it feels like Chelsea have paid ridiculously high amount of money over the odds, etc. I don't know. I feel I am a bit gutted about it. Obviously, thank fuck, you know. More importantly, we beat Spurs, but now I, you know, I, part of me does feel: have we really got you know reserve plan to buy because we really do need to strengthen our squad, don't we? I mean, that first team is brilliant, but as I always say, the step down in quality for any other player almost in the squad is huge. So what's your feeling about old Mudrick um, saga, Alan?
1: Well, look, um, I think that we have a squad, and I forget who said this the other day, but I totally agree with it. Uh, We have a squad of reserve players or second-choice players and it's fine where one two or three of them have to come into what we call the established first team but when you flip it around and they play in the Carabao Cup game against against Brighton or even to to some extent uh the players that came in and and took a while to get going at oxford um it the some the of the parts of that sort of reserve team or the second choice team isn't great but luckily our first team when it's only one or two players coming in we are still coping at the moment and you know eddie's been a huge exponent of that i mean you wouldn't have had him in the first choice starting 11 if you you had all the players fit but he still managed to contribute because we're not sort of changing too many positions around um i hate transfers i hate the whole saga thing i wish we go back to the days of oh we've signed a player today great and um i tried to make a point the other day, and I'm not sure I made it that particularly well, but, um, you know, David Ornstein's been on this pod. I'm sure he's a great guy. He's obviously phenomenal at his job. Why is someone at the club leaking to him? Why? Yeah. I mean, where's the upside in doing that? Why is he getting information (laughs) firsthand from, and it has to be from someone at the club? or, Or, some one of the club's trusted partners he's obviously great at his job but why on earth are we uh not doing our business on the quiet or as quiet as can be in this day and age
0: you're like harry you're like prince harry complaining about the royal family leaking information to the uh to the to the journalists i mean i know what you (laughs) mean but i I think to (laughs) to
1: be fair but
0: we certainly have i mean it, it, it hurts us I think they think that, like today, right? It's no it's no coincidence, is it, Josh, that today stories came out saying, you know, w- w- saying about players we're going to be interested in buying. You know, I think it's no, Declan Rice, right? All of a sudden there's a few stories of of, of journalists you'd respect, not just normal kind of speculative um, uh, hacks, but proper expected saying we're after Declan Rice, you know, in the summer, not right now, but in the summer, which I totally believe, by the way, but That's it feels like the plant... So that's go my on.
1: Dream
0: oh yeah, I love it. I love I've it. It'd watched, be brilliant. I've watched him Absol- for years. And yeah. Yeah. Job, and I've phenomenal. Join us. Phenomenal. But my point is, I think there's no coincidence that's coming today, oh, because they they want to counter fan disappointment about the Mudrick situation. But I Josh. used
1: to think that. Sorry, Josh, cut across the there. I used to think that. I used to think it was just obviously um, speculation for the fans to lap up to look as if we were spending money. But look. You know, the club turned that perception around with an incredible transfer window of players that weren't at the top of people's list but suddenly have become key first-team individuals. You know, anyone prior to this transfer window opening, as an Arsenal fan, was saying, we do our business right, we scout our players right, and we've got a plan for the players that are coming in. So I don't think the club need to do that anymore. They don't need smoke screens. They don't need... Good PR story saying, well, look, we tried for that player, but we just didn't have enough. I know with Mudrick, we, we, we did. And I really hope the Declan Rice story is true rather than uh, a smokescreen to get us through to the summer to say, you know, that there's promise of big players coming.
2: I, yeah, I, it, it's such an interesting situation, isn't it? This, this Mudrick situation. But I think it's one of those. Where it opens fans' eyes to the power the clubs have. And here is a situation where a player wanted to go to Arsenal, made it oddly public where he wanted to go in this day and age. Yeah. But ultimately money talks. And Shatkar can turn around to the player and go, Sure, you have two options. One, you stay with us, or two, you go to Chelsea. What are you going to do? And here is a player who wants to play in the Premier League and he wants to play for Arsenal, but if he's presented with an option of you can go and play for Chelsea in the Premier League or stay here, has to go to Chelsea. Um And I think it was um it was Dean uh, who does occasionally join us on the podcast made made the point about how quiet the player has been on Instagram since you know the move, having been quite active in the oh. in the build up to it, and and it probably it looks tells you everything you, you need yeah. to know. I, oh. I, I'm suddenly. I jokingly said he looks gutted in
0: the in his signing picture. He does look well, genuinely. Well, I'm disappointed. I'm, I've got insight.
1: Some someone I know extremely well spent a lot of time with him yesterday, and he was thoroughly depressed all day. <laughs> was was what I got. So, so, so genuinely.
2: Well, I de- go on. Justin. Here is the reality of the modern day transfer, yeah. and yeah. you know he's signed a contract for. Eight and a half years. Eight and
0: a half years. It's I mean, that's just, wealth
2: in a very American style. That's
0: just approach. that's to avoid financial fair play, isn't it? Which I, which by the way, is a ridiculous loophole in that in that rule. I don't know where the, the fuck where the fuck Chelsea its money from either. And I read today the other thing that came out today seems to be the story that the Shakhtar owner promised to give Ukraine tens of millions of euros
1: as yes. part 20, of this twenty-five deal. million euros. It's already done. And there's right. a
0: friendly.
2: Yeah, and a, I mean, apparently a friendly game. That is all yeah. very weird. I well, mean, welcome yeah. to you know 2023 and our business. Um, I, I know we need to. Have, I think the conclusion here is everyone knows Arsenal want to strengthen their squad. They have given the game away a little bit about how much money there may be. Um, quite a lot, they, yeah. Given the game away, quite a lot, not, yeah. You know, they're not going to be bullied into you know spending it or going way way beyond uh, where they wanted to go but you you have to hope and think that there are you know there is work being done, and we saw in a documentary yeah. last year that these things you know in or out of the club can go right until the end, and yeah, you know it's poker and and hopefully a, you know it it falls on the on the right way because yeah there's there's nothing new being said by the reality that we need a new player um if not to into this squad to push for a title, which is it's Not quite once in a generation, but it has wow. been a hell of a long time. You know, yeah. you, you, you know, I was as, as you mentioned, they just boys died. I was with uh, William Gallas, who was who here for what yesterday, and we we had time for a drink last night after the game, and you know we concluded this is the Arsenal's best chance is that team of two thousand and eight, which you know don't oh, yeah. forget had also only lost one game. You know, going into later than January into the season and. Only fell four points um, short, but the the consistency being shown by by the team this season it gives you every hope that they can go and do it. And wow, I mean the 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 Cronkies have, have back back this manager, and hopefully they can just back him with one or two more signings and get us over the line. Um, yeah. I know we've, we've got been to look linked with to Sunday's Sunday's yes. match. I don't know I if just, you just want to I'll just before we do the final prediction, I know
0: you've got to go. Sorry, but um, we, see, we're being linked with Rafinha. Seems to be seems to be, which is that another which is like a rerun run of a previous transfer um, saga that went on quite a long time. I seem to remember before he joined Barcelona, the idea that he would, Barcelona would get rid of him this quickly. See, the whole thing seems to be insane, but who knows? Anyway, we have Manchester United, um, which Paul Merson was saying on Sunday or on, on Sky yesterday, said like this is the. Moment of the season. I love Merson, by the way. I thought he was such a brilliantly entertaining pundit. Um, I think his punditry has got exponentially more amusing and entertaining and brilliant um, the more Sky have used him. He was great um, uh, yesterday with Jamie Rednapp, but he was like, if we beat Manchester United on Sunday, that's it. We're going to win the league. I'm not sure if he's that simple, but what do you think, Josh?
2: That's very Merce. I mean, yeah. he, he doesn't sit on the fence. I, no. I love him and feel really lucky to have done so many events and uh work-related things with him. He's the the greatest company and has a huge thirst for football. I think he's fairly public. He's not an Arsenal supporter, but I, I think in what is this race between the Manchester clubs and Arsenal, there's no question who he'd like to see win the league. So uh hopefully um hopefully we can we can bring it home. What do I think about this game? The first thing I think is I have never had so many messages as I have over the last 48 hours about people wanting tickets. And do I know anyone who's got spare tickets and the demand for Arsenal at the moment is, is as big as I can certainly is as big as it's ever been in the Emirates stadium. I think we should be confident, right? Like we, we put up a good fire Old Trafford earlier in the season and we're unlucky to lose. We have done nothing in the last four months since that should make you feel, you know, that that we shouldn't feel that we're rightfully favourites United, got an unbelievable victory, but it was fortuitous to say the least for Unbelievable obvious, goal, yeah. Obviously, like, we, yeah. we can we can beat this Manchester United side and that might make people feel hang on, we're you know, um you know, if we're on 50 points at the halfway stage, I mean it's it's an unreal uh situation to be in. I don't think a draw is a disaster. You know, it, we just need to um certainly avoid defeat because defeat and suddenly the momentum United are on and they're on there on you, you you just worry about how far they can continue what they're doing under under their manager. But I think Arsenal win 2-0, boys. Excellent. Alan? I think
1: having a a break from midweek is going to be massively in our advantage. They've got to play uh, Palace.
0: Yeah, it's weird we're not playing midweek, isn't it?
1: No, I thought we'd have had one of our rearranged yeah. games in midweek and um, we've managed to escape that. Uh, I actually think, I mean, obviously that's going to play into our favour this week. Um, you know, the players did battle hard yesterday and to, for them to have a seven, uh, six day rest in between playing again on, on the following Sunday is huge considering Manchester United will come down here back and then back down to London. Um if they do beat Palace, that's 10 straight wins. And if they manage to avoid conceding, they're, they're something like 0.3 goals per game conceded in that period. So look, they're doing something right. And some people thought that the City game was where the, wall, the wheels were going to fall off because that was a difficult game. They didn't. They were fortunate. I totally agree with Josh. i take a draw now. Even though we're at home and we should be going for the win, uh, I think we will edge this three-two.
0: Ah, no, nice. Uh, yeah, I think we'll win as well. I'm quite comfort- weirdly confident about this one. Yeah, I think. I don't know. I just think. I think we'll have the measure of them. Um, I'm going to get a tight one 0 I'll go for a tight one-nil. Um, it's been magnificent to have you back, Alan. Uh, been a pleasure. Thank you, as ever. Fantastic insights, Josh. Hero, of course. Um, uh, And thank you very much as well. And we'll be back this time next week. See you then. Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash.